Our series has been on being ridiculously generous. Today we're going to talk about being ridiculously generous and being grateful. Now, what, one of the, the passages of Scripture that's helped us in this series is Proverbs 11.24. And the message paraphrases it this way. The world of the generous grows larger and larger, and the world of the smaller grows, the world, the world, excuse me, the world of the stingy grows smaller and smaller. And I've thought about that often over this series, and it's one of my favorite verses in Proverbs, but here's, here's the way this is framed. All of us, I really do believe, if we had the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation, we're all going to get here. We want to make a difference in life. We want our lives to make a difference. We want our lives to matter. I believe one of the ways we do that is by being generous. Why? Because our worlds grow larger when we're generous. But if we want our world to shrink, if we want our influence to diminish, we hold tight to everything. We draw it close. And that becomes problematic and challenging. So the world of the generous goes larger. That's what this series has been about. And our main, our big idea, our big idea says God loves us. God loves us, wants the best for us. He does not want something from us. He wants something for us. Can I just stop for a second? I really love that phrase. God doesn't want something from us. And can I just be really honest? We don't have anything he needs. It's all his anyway. So he doesn't want something from us. He wants something for us. And that's what generosity is. It's for us. So, and this is another part that I just love. He knows that we will thrive. Thrive. That is more than just a cliche that Kaiser Permanente uses, okay? It's more than that. God was the original person that came up with thriving, all right? He knows, he knows that we will thrive when we give ourselves away. There's something about when we, when we stop holding stuff like this, let it go, something happens. Our life expands, it enlarges, it grows. It just becomes better. We thrive. So he calls us to be ridiculously generous. That's what our series has been about. And as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, what we're going to do right now, we only do this about two times a year. We're going to take a special offering today. And that offering is not for us. It's not internal. This isn't an internal offering. This is an external offering. This is an offering for benevolence. And what I mean by that is that there are, from time to time, we have people who come to us who have extraordinary needs that they can't meet. And we're here to help them. We want to come alongside them. What I'm really grateful for is if you're a regular part of Crossroads, you know that Circle of Care is a part of, of who we are as a church. Circle of Care is a benevolence ministry. We, um, we serve about 37,000 families a year of, with food and supplies out of, our, out of our warehouse here. I'm really grateful for that. It's such a joy to be a part of something like that. But there are times that there becomes some monetary need that we want to, we want to meet. Now, we, don't, we can't do everything, obviously. Uh, we don't have unlimited resources. But what we want to do is give you an opportunity to bless somebody who has a little bit less. A couple weeks ago, I said it this way. Advance your generosity. Sometimes, we, again, we hold things so close, and so now the challenge is, the takeaway was advance your generosity. Push it out there. Let, let's do something a little different. So this offering is not our regular giving that we that kind of keep the lights on and all the things going on. This is something aside from that. So your regular giving, thank you for that, but this is something additional. And here's what I want you to hear. There's no pressure, okay? No pressure, zero. I, I want to encourage you to just give cheerfully, willingly, do so because it's in your heart to give. And here's the other thing. It has nothing to do with an amount. 
give what God puts in your heart. And that's what we're going to pray for. God, put it on my heart. What should I give? So would you bow your heads with me and pray, Jesus, thank you for the opportunity we have to give this morning. And I pray that you'll take this gift and that you will multiply it many times over, regardless of the size. It's not about that. It's about our heart. And so, Lord, as we give this morning, I pray, I pray that needs would be met, that lives would be encouraged and, and strengthened. And, Lord, there would be a relief given over some who have greater needs that they just can't meet. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite the ushers to come, and they're going to pass those bags. And you, if you're prepared to give this morning, we threw away an envelope. On that envelope, just mark benevolence, okay, or a big B. We'll figure it out, okay, benevolence or B. And also, online options are available for you. There's a drop-down that says benevolence. And while, they're do- while we're doing the offering, I'm going to bring us up to speed over the last three weeks, okay? So I'm going to do this somewhat quickly, so you just kind of hang with me. But I want to kind of give you where we've been. So week number one, what we did is we talked about or unpacked what being ridiculously generous meant. And so we talked about this, that generosity is more than money. You know, it's part of it, yes, but it's more than money. It's also, it's unconditional. There's no restrictions or these conditions or boxes that box in generosity. It's also an opportunity. And I really like that word. I was thinking about that last night as I was kind of doing some preparation and praying and, and thinking through this. And again this morning, opportunity. What an opportunity it, ha- it is for us to be generous on, some, for someone else's, on someone else's behalf. You know, it's also modeled by God's example. God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. So God was generous, and out of his generosity, we model ourselves after that. It's also the opposite of human nature. We've talked already a little bit about the fact that our nature kind of holds things close and tight, when I, I think I used the story that when I was a kid, I didn't want anybody playing with my toys. These were my toys. Leave them alone. Get out of my, get out of my circle. This is my stuff. And I think as time goes on, we all still kind of hold things close. We just don't want to, but when we let go, that's when things begin to really expand for us. So it's opposite of our nature. It's also, here's the biggest one. It's a question of ownership. It's, it's a question of ownership. Here's the truth of the matter is I I don't own a thing. I don't own a house. I don't own a car. I don't own any clothes. I don't have, I don't have nothing. You say, well, yeah, you do. You live in a house. You got a car. You got clothes. You're good. You own it. No, I don't own it. I don't own it. God's entrusted all of that to me. It all belongs to him. And it's a matter of ownership. And once I get that, once I get that turned, I go, wait a minute. Okay, if it's not mine, then why am I so worried about holding it so close? Because he'll take care of me. If it's all his, he's going to entrust me with even more. Well, then we answer some questions about giving specifically in money talks. How do we give? Well, we give generously, we give willingly, and we give cheerfully. And I, I love the way that the Apostle Paul said it, and God loves a cheerful giver, a person that's happy about this. I get to be, and that's one of the things, I, these are things I get to do. It's not that I have to do it, I get to do it. So God loves the cheerfulness of our giving. Then we answer the question, what happens when I give? Well, we're enriched. That means we're blessed in many ways. In fact, we're enriched in so many different ways. Our needs are met. Thanksgiving is given. And God is glorified as we give. Those are things that have happened. Why do we give? Well, we give out of obedience. The, the word of God says very clearly that we're to give. And then we're also give out of grace because God's grace, his unmerited favor to us is so amazing. We give on the basis of graces. Well, then, then we ask this last question, are we givers? Are we? 
And then I give you five, I give you five different ways that we give. Occasionally is one. Occasional givers, consistent givers is two, intentional, sacrificial, and legacy givers. So what kind of givers are we? Are we and then this last phrase, remember, I, want, I just put this in my notes. Remember this? If we say we trust Jesus with our eternity, but we don't trust him with our finances, something's off. And this morning, just keep this in mind. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have confessed him as Savior and Lord. You trust him with your eternity. He can be trusted with your finances. Don't be hesitant to give. God will take care of you. We just sang it. We are not alone. And that means in every arena of life. Trust him. And then finally, we talked about, we discussed leveraging our time and our talent uh, to make a difference in the kingdom of God by serving. And the reality of serving is that it requires a heart, uh, giving Christ, uh, being Lord, he has to be Lord of our life. When he's Lord of our life, uh, serving flourishes. It really does become something we get to do and not something we have to do. Also, it's patterned by Jesus. He gave us a great example of serving by way of actions and then also his attitude. He was a servant and therefore we should be a servant as well. And then blessing follows our serving. And then the one last thing I did was give you a dozen benefits of generosity over those three weeks. I'm not going to take the time to go through them, but here's, here's why I do that. All of our messages are archived, and it is, these can be really great resources for you. There may come times when you just, you know, I don't know how to give. How do I deal with this? Or someone's asking that question. You have a family member saying, you know, I want to be generous, but I'm just not sure how. Well, these become resources and tools, so utilize them as such. I believe they'll also be a blessing. So today, today, let's continue to be ridiculously generous in every way possible, in every way possible. And for Thanksgiving 2019, let's do this. Let's be ridiculously generous in our expressions of gratitude at all, in all things and at all times and in all ways. I can't think of a better way that, to wrap up talking about generosity than talking about being grateful. So I'll ask the question to begin with. What are you thankful for? Don't answer that because it's a thousand different answers. And that question is going to be asked around the tables on Thursday, most likely. But I picked up a few that maybe you hadn't thought of, of things to be thankful for. Here's one of them. I'm thankful that God gave us our relatives. Thank God we can choose our friends. I'm thankful for laughter. Except when milk comes out my nose. Right? Here's my favorite. I want to say thank you to all the people who walked into my life and made it outstanding. And all the people who walked out of my life and made it fantastic. <laughs> I have some folks in mind. Oh, I don't. And one more, one more. Two things I'm thankful for. Friends and family. And number two, Caller ID to avoid certain family and friends. <laughs> it's all for fun, but honestly, honestly, how might we embrace being ridiculously generous in our gratitude? How do we do that? The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, just a, a very, very short verse, Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 20, always 
giving thanks. Always giving thanks to the Father. I love this. For everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Speak life and challenge and encourage us today in your name. Amen. When Paul was writing this letter, you go back to chapter 4 and verse number 1. Paul says this to the church. He says, live a life that's worthy of your calling. Live a life worthy of your calling. And that, that's a really, it's a, really potent vo- a really potent verse. As I think about that, what does that mean to me? How do I live a life that's worthy of my calling? He spends these next verses helping the Ephesians understand what that looks like. When he comes to chapter 5, he references two things. The first is this. Through a careful life, a careful life. He said, if you're going to live life that's worthy of calling, be careful with it. And I don't think any of us would disagree with that, that we need to take care of our lives. Now, you know, that's, sure, that has to do with health and all of that, but, you know, it has more to do, more, than, more to do than just with our physical side of our life. It's the character side of our life. Be careful with it. And he goes on and he says this. He offers a list of don't do's. Don't do this, don't do this. But then he also says, but do this. So it sees he has some don't do's and but do's. Okay? And here's, here's just one for an example. He says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about take care of your life. Be careful with it. The second part of that is the spiritual life. So he has a careful life and then the spiritual life. And he lists three things. The first is singing, then gratitude, and then mutual submission. The second mark of that spiritual life is gratitude. And it's significant to me, and frankly, I think it's unfortunate. We may, even as followers of Christ, we may take gratitude, I guess you could say, a little, we, we may express gratitude a little bit more superficially than we should. Now, let's, just to be honest, you, you've probably already said thank you a dozen times today. But I wonder if you could go back to each specific individual that you said thank you to them and remember exactly what it was about. That's my point. I say thank you to the person at my coffee shop or the the person who whatever. Now, that's not a bad thing, but I wonder if that is all gratitude is. I don't think it is. I don't think that really defines what being ridiculously generous is. And I do believe, too, When Paul is talking about the spiritual life, he's really saying that gratitude is a part of our character as followers of Christ. There has to be something more. There's something down in our heart that God has done. And so being ridiculously generous in our gratitude should be a natural result of what Christ has done in us. I've said this, I don't know how many Thanksgiving weeks over the years, but I'll say it again. If anybody on the planet has reason to be grateful, it is those of us who call Jesus Christ Lord. We should be out in front of the Thanksgiving Day Parade. It shouldn't be the balloon of Snoopy, and I don't even know if they do Snoopy anymore. But I'm telling you, it should, it's not that. It should be us as followers of Christ. We should be championing gratitude. But unfortunately, we approach it maybe a little bit more superficially. And we don't take it to heart as much as we should. Even using that phrase, taking it to heart, it should be a part of our heart. It shouldn't be something that we have to be, that we have to be convinced to do. 
It should be something natural from us. So three things about being ridiculously generous. First is it requires a different way of thinking. It requires a different way of thinking. Paul says this, always and for everything. Now, I look at that, and that's a very challenging phrase because there have been some always and some everythings in my life, and I just, I'm not so sure I could say thank you. For example, using the Thanksgiving holiday as uh, an illustration, in 2015, we were living in Northern California. We had all of our family gathering for Thanksgiving. And what I mean by that, we have a, we have a son in Texas, and so he and his family came out with their three boys to to enjoy Thanksgiving, and, and Aaron and Lauren from, from here in Southern California, they drove up with their two girls, and then Amanda, our daughter, came up and brought her, fi- then fi- almost fiancé, wasn't quite yet, brought him with us, so we had this whole crew, we had 13 of us, and so we now affectionately refer to Thanksgiving 2015 as T15. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, here's what we mean is that many virologists, when they, when they assign a, a particular strain of illness to a particular moment in time, they will give it a number. They'll give it a letter and a number. Well, we have our own letter and number, T15. And there were eight of us initially that got violently ill. And then the ninth, which was me, I got violently ill on Sunday on my way to preach. It was just delightful. So that's what we remember. Now, can I tell you honestly, we were not saying, oh, thank you, Lord, for this. This is so amazing. Not one of us was saying that. We were saying, oh, please let this end. Well, but not only that, I look back at some of the challenges that we've had as a family, whether it's illness or death. We don't in the midst of that say, thank you, Lord, for this. This is so great. And we look at this, and Paul's saying always and everything. And that's not what it means. What, what Paul is trying to help us with is this. We're not asked to thank God for the evil, the difficulty, and tragedy. Rather, now hear this carefully. We're asked to live out our awareness that every part of life, all of life, even the bad, is lived out under Christ's control and in relation to him. Understand something. The fire is going to come. The floods are going to rise. The death is going to happen. Illness is going to be there. And in the midst of all that, I can say thank you, Jesus, not for what I am experiencing right now, but thank you, Jesus, that you are with me and that I am not alone, that in the fire I'm not going to be burned. When the flood happens, it's not going to overtake me. Thank you, Jesus. And as a follower of Christ, that's the, way we, that's the way we're to live. That's part of our DNA, as it were. In fact, Paul would say this, and he talks about contentment in Philippians chapter 4. But look at what he says. And I'm going to ask you to help me here in a minute. So look at, the, look at this with me. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have, what's the word? Okay, that was really pathetic. we got to do that again. Try it again. Now watch with me. I'm going to ask you to help me. Okay, you got that? Okay, let's try it again. I'm going to ask you to help me, all right? Got it. Okay, we got there. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have what? Mm, To be content, whatever the circumstances. One more. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have what? Interesting. The secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Granted, this is not about gratitude, but it's about a change of a mindset. 
I have learned to be content. I have learned the secret of being content. It doesn't matter what my circumstances are. I have learned. And it is true with gratitude. Gratitude isn't based upon our circumstances. It's based upon what Christ has done in our heart and out of who we are and what he's done in us. Then we can be grateful. So we are grateful simply because we're Christ followers. And I love this. This is not in your notes. I just I added it. We're grateful simply because as Christ followers, we are filled with a DNA of gratitude. Catch that. DNA of gratitude. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, everything on the inside changes. And that includes our level to be grateful. We should be ridiculously generous in our gratitude always. Because that's the DNA of what Christ has implanted in us. And once we make that mental adjustment, our thinking changes, it becomes our normal response rather than an exceptional response. We naturally gravitate to being thankful. Romans chapter 12, Paul says, don't be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. You see, when we first come to faith, or let's move before we come to faith, gratitude may be something extraordinarily superficial. We may not mean it at all, but when we come to faith, everything should change. But then there are times that we just need to have a continual thinking and attitude adjustment so that I remain grateful and it does not, I do not gravitate back to being superficial in my gratitude. So remember, circumstances change. Christ in us does not. And we can be grateful at all times. The second observation is that to be ridiculously generous, it turns our focus on God. It turns our focus on God. Paul says, says, giving thanks to the Father. To the Father. Two weeks ago on Money Money Talks, we mentioned that gratitude is, is connected to our expressions of generosity. To our expressions of generosity. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 9. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Now look at this. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result in the ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. You notice that there are gifts mentioned, there's giving expressed, but in every occurrence, what happens? The gratitude goes to God. It's God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. It's not that we're not expressing gratitude to someone else and they do something for us, but ultimately, remember, it's a matter of ownership, right? If God owns everything, our, our, the eventual expression of gratitude is to, is to him. You see, thankfulness has more to do with our passion for the giver rather than satisfaction with his gifts. It's about God. It's about God. God must be the one that receives all the thanks, regardless of my circumstances, the conditions, the ups, the downs, the good, the bad, the twists and turns of life. My focus and our focus has to be on him and remain on him. Psalm 136 is a great psalm. I just want to read you just a portion, and I've really chopped it up, but you'll get an idea. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. This is a responsive reading in Psalm 136. They would do this in worship. 
So the worship leader would say the first phrase, and then the congregation would answer this phrase, his faithful love endures forever. That was a responsive. But in Psalm 136, what's so cool about it is that 40 times, 40 times, God's name or, his pro, or a pronoun is mentioned in Psalm 136. You can't get away from Psalm 136 without realizing that the theme of the chapter is thanksgiving. That's what it's all about. And the reality is for Israel, God had done amazing things. And so the psalmist is just recounting this. He's, he's the God of gods. He's the Lord of lords. He's done this. He's done this. He's done this. He's done this. And in every time, his faithful love endures forever. Done this. His faithful love endures forever. You can just see it after a while. You could work the crowd into a frenzy. And by the end of it, you're just saying, thank you, God, for what you've done. You see, in many respects, that's why one of the reasons we gather and we worship as we do is for us to move outside of ourselves and begin to point upwards instead of like a blogger by the name of Kathy Escobar. She wrote an article a few years ago, and she entitled the, the article, Ingrown Eyeballs. This is what she wrote. She says, it's so easy to have them, especially when life is hard or not, getting, or not going the way we had hoped, to turn inward and only see what's hard, bad, icky, ugly, you name it. I'm not talking about healthy introspection here. Listen to this. I'm talking about self-centered, joy-robbing, Alls I can see is bad stuff eyeballs. We all know what it is. It's my natural tendency to focus on what isn't instead of what is to see, the bad instead of the good, to remember the negative instead of the positive. I like gratitude because it helps, look at this, it helps turn our ingrown eyeballs up and out, up towards God. I desperately need that. I need to stop holding stuff so close I need to stop whining and complaining about virtually everything. Can anybody else say, help a brother out and say, that's me too. I'm not just going to be the only one up here just, you know. Honestly, it is, it is absolutely pathetic how much I whine and complain about the craziest of things. Shame on me. Because I'm not living out the DNA of gratitude that God has planted in me. I want to live that way. So ridiculously generous gratitude turns its focus on God. And thirdly, ridiculously generous gratitude receives great outcomes. You'll notice what Paul says. He says, giving thanks to the Father, ready for this, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's pretty amazing. A few years ago, I read an article by, I picked this up, I don't remember where I picked it up, but the the person who was writing the article made it very clear, and it was almost, it was almost funny as I was reading it. They, they disclaimed it this way. This is not a Christian article, and I am not a Christian. You know, it's like, okay. I mean, you didn't have to say that, but it's like he was making the point, or she was making the point of this. And then went on to extol the benefits of gratitude. And then gave 31 different benefits of gratitude. Now, I thought there was a little bit of a disconnect on the one hand saying, you know, there's, I'm not a Christian, but boy, there's a lot of benefits of gratitude. I'm going, well, that's kind of interesting that one who very clearly says, I'm not a believer, says there's benefit to gratitude. So, begin to think about this. And then I look back at what Paul says. Always and for everything. Ready for this? In the name of in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, what the author missed was this. Yeah, they found 31 benefits of gratitude. 
But the reality is for a follower of Jesus Christ, the benefits to gratitude are absolutely unlimited. Why? Because when we give thanks, we do so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just so that you know, Jesus Christ is unlimited in his ability to bless and to pour benefits out upon us as we receive what is available to us. To us, name, and this is here this name is a way of referring to what the person stands for and has accomplished. Christ followers are to give thanks on the basis of who Jesus is and what he has done, or in accord or in agreement with who he is. I want you to know when we give thanks, we do so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the benefits are unlimited to us. Wow, wow. We do so because of what Jesus has done and what, who and who he is. Luke, Luke 17, wonderful story. It happened that, and this is Jesus, it happened that as he made his way toward Jerusalem, he crossed the border between Samaria and Galilee, he entered a village. Ten men, all lepers, met him. They kept their distance but raised their voices, calling out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Taking a good look at them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. They went, and while still on their way, they became clean, healed. They were healed. One of them, when he realized that he was healed, turned around and came back, shouting his gratitude, glorifying God. He kneeled at Jesus' feet, so grateful. He couldn't thank him enough, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus said, we're not ten healed. Where are the nine? Can none be found to come back and give glory to God except this outsider? Then he said to him, get on, get up, on your way. Your faith has healed you and saved you. I love the story, but you kind of wonder, what is, what is so ridiculously generous about that? Let me just point out a couple of things. They're kind of ridiculous. Number one, only one guy. Now, I'm going to say that again so we get it. Only one guy. One more time. Only one guy out of ten came back. That's ridiculous. When all of them have been healed, one guy responds. I wonder if that says anything about us. And and one, just also, this one guy... He came back and what did he do? He did some ridiculous stuff. He was shouting. I would too if something like this happened to me because leprosy would have kept him completely separate from the life, from complete life. They stayed outside the city. They could not worship. Nothing could happen. Then add to this, the guy was a Samaritan. He was an outsider. He didn't have his religion. He didn't have his religion right. He didn't have his ethnicity right. And he's the one guy that comes back when the nine who had it all together said, no, I'm not, they didn't come back. What is so extraordinary to me about that is what Jesus does, and it's unique. He says to this man, now there's no reason to believe that the other nine didn't continue in their healing. That's not the point. But what we do see is these words, your faith has healed you and saved you. There is something dynamic when we ridiculously celebrate in generosity and gratitude in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe he is going to pour out blessings upon us more than you can think or imagine. So why wouldn't I want to be ridiculously generous 
all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe with me and you, I think we would all agree, let's be ridiculously generous. Psalm 103, he forgives all my sins, he heals all my diseases, he redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Jesus still heals, Jesus still delivers, and Jesus saves. Hallelujah. Oswald Chambers said it this way. The thing that awakens the deepest well of gratitude in a human being is that God has forgiven sin. I want you to know that God has forgiven you, and if there's nothing else that God does, you have got a lifetime to be ridiculously generous for who God is and what he's done in your life. What a day to celebrate being ridiculously generous. All that God has for me, I am ready. I am ready to receive. I want all that God has. And so I want to be ridiculously generous and enjoy the benefits he has for me. So I'll ask this question again. What are you grateful for? What are you grateful for? Well, it's really a good question. And so as I got to thinking about it, I found a study that was actually done in uh, 1938, 80, 81 years ago, by a Swiss psychiatrist. Talk, and this Swiss psychiatrist did this. They were doing some investigation or some research, I should say, on gratitude in children. And this is what she discovered. Four different ways that gratitude is expressed. The first is verbal gratitude. Now, this is something that's very casual. It's something that we do on a regular basis every day. If you went to Starbucks this morning and got some coffee, you probably said thank you. It's that. You just say, we say thank you all the time. So now there's nothing wrong with it. That's just kind of the verbal gratitude. The second type of gratitude that she speaks to is what she called concrete gratitude. Concrete is mean, it just simply means that it requires delivering something, that you do something as a, as a follow-up to what someone has done for you. For example, it could be a thank you note. That would be one way to do it. The third type of gratitude was what she called connective gratitude. Now, connective gratitude is different than concrete gratitude for this because it, it is offering something significant. It could be like this, that I would write out a thank you note, take it, hand it to the person, take them by the hand and look them in the eye and say, thank you. Thank you. You see the difference between just sending something by way of mail and looking someone in the eye and saying, thank you. And then the fourth is finalistic gratitude. And essentially here, you're repaying the other party with something, now hear this carefully, something reflective of the favorite self. In other words, something is so grand and so great, how I've got, to, I've got to think through this because I want my expression of thanks to be significant. So as I thought about finalistic gratitude, well, let me, let me read this to you one more time. Just remember this. Be grateful. That's the takeaway for today is be grateful. Be ridiculously generous in our expressions of gratitude in all things at all times and all ways. Let's be grateful. That's the takeaway. But I got to thinking about this finalistic gratitude. And I realized this. No one's done more for me than Jesus. So how do I offer? What, what, what could I possibly give him? Think about it. He doesn't need anything. So what can I give him? You know what I can give him? I can give him my life. And I can give him my best praise. 
Why do we come together early on a Sunday morning and we worship? Hear me. Hear me. This is a challenge for all of us. When the first note of the first song begins, would be my hope that we would just throw ourselves into worship. Why? Because of what Jesus has done for us. And it's our way of saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you. By offering our best praise, by offering our life, by our worship and our dedication and our devotion, we're saying thank you. Because you see, we can't repay. We cannot repay what Jesus has done for us. But we can offer our best of just saying, I will be ridiculously generous with my gratitude to my Lord and my Savior.